one other thing, just to highlight, this month, uh, because of Mother's Day, we are partnering with uh, Reach. Remember our Facebook check-ins? If you will check in at some point, every five check-ins gets a meal to a mom and to a, a kid through Compassion International, which is, just happens to be one of our favorite sponsors that we partner with, a church in Ecuador. But our this month, the month of May, is with Compassion International. So every kind of five check-ins. If you don't know how to check in, uh, talk to someone who's under 20, and they'll help you. Um, so, we started a series last week called Not a Fan, and looking at this, this notion of what Jesus kind of calls us to, of saying, hey, should I be more than just a fan, more than an enthusiastic admirer? That's how uh, the dictionary defines fanship, is this enthusiastic admirer. Does God call me to something more to that? Uh, throughout the pages of the scripture, does he call us to something more in our followership? And this difference and this tension and the struggle between maybe the fanship that we kind of lean toward at times and this followership that Jesus calls to, and, and how do you figure all this out? And tonight I want us to kind of wrestle with a little bit more of that. This series really in May is a challenging series, and it's a series I hope kind of disturbs you a little bit, maybe challenges you a little bit to say, hey, what's this deal? Remember, Jesus kind of had a couple passages we looked at last week where we called the DTR, right? He defined the relationship a couple different times. In John chapter six, he has this great story where he feeds 5,000 men, so it's gotta be like close to 15,000 people, and I've seen that hillside. It's amazing where that happened, and then he preaches like his hardest sermon he'd ever preached, and like almost everybody leaves. So please don't leave tonight. <laughs> so um, this hard sermon, and people are challenged by it, and even says to his disciples, are, are you gonna leave too? And remember, Peter makes that statement, where else am I gonna go? You alone have the words of life. And it's these challenging moments that you will find in your spiritual journey of following after Jesus. Now, you may be here, and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're curious about him. Maybe you're a person who's just kind of getting back into church. Maybe someone invited you, and I'm so glad that you're here. And we want to be a church where people can investigate, and they don't have to, they don't have to believe necessarily everything before they can belong and be a part of our church community, be a part of, of our community of faith, and begin to figure it out on their own. And, and my question, my, I guess, challenge, invitation to you is just get to know Jesus. Study more about him. We're going to look a little bit more at that tonight, and hopefully you'll begin to, to find challenge. We have a hard time. I think fanship is this enthusiastic admirer, and follower is maybe one who's really committed. And let's be honest, we don't like commitment, do we? How many would say the United States, my culture, my setting, we love commitment. Anyone? Yeah, we don't. We like options, don't we? We have lots of options. We like selective commitment. We like that, right? So I will selectively commit. Um, I will pick this part or I will pick this part. I want to customize my commitment. Is that, that's kind of how we lean in our culture. And the reality is when you look through the pages of scripture, you don't find the option for us to have customized Christianity. You just don't see it. It's not this idea of, okay, I'm gonna like this part of Jesus, so I'm gonna like this part of the Bible and not this part of the Bible, because that's, that's archaic, that seems weird. And, and so this challenge and tension builds within our own lives. That it's, it's a struggle to try to customize Christianity. Jesus is calling his followers to something way more than just selective commitment. He's challenging us, and I think that's why Jesus doesn't look, I think, for a bunch of fans there were a lot of people that were fans of Jesus. 
But I don't think that's what piqued his interest the most. I think he looked for something more, something deeper. See, we don't have the option to bargain or to barter or to kind of figure out with Jesus. We're challenged to say, go all in with him. That's what Jesus is asking for. And that's a, that's a tough one in our culture. In our culture, we, we like, and, and sometimes when we hear that, we go, well, then Jesus must be looking for like the special ops force of religious people, right? Like, because I'm not that. And so Jesus might be looking for like this elite group of followers, and I'm just, Jack, I don't feel like I'm there. Like, I'm just trying to figure this whole thing out. And I don't feel like my, my spiritual credit score would be like meet his approval, and maybe that's how you feel. As a person who's investigating Jesus, you feel like, anyone ever seen the ads on TV and they say, hey, uh, what's the ad I just heard coming here? Uh, for a nickel, you can have a car. We'll finance you. How many of you think that's really real, okay? That you think, okay, if I show up with a nickel, you're really gonna give me a car and drive off the lot? How many of you, when you see commercials, sometimes you, you think in the back of your mind, that, that's too good to be true? Right? You have a filter about that. We sometimes think that, that, okay, just because it says everyone can qualify, well, I'm, there's gotta be an asterisk there somewhere, right? And the little lawyer talk that happens after the commercials where they speed it up and it's so fast you can't understand what they're saying. There has to be a catch is how we feel about things. And yet when you begin to look at what we're gonna look at tonight, Jesus makes this radical statement that's amazing. In fact, it's the core of this whole message for this whole entire series. Remember, we looked at it last week in Luke chapter nine. Go back with me to that, or you can open it up on version on the events page. You'll find um, our link for tonight. Here's what he says. If anyone, if anyone, he says to the crowd, if anyone wants to be my follower, if any of you would want to be my follower, you must deny yourself. You must turn from your selfish ways. You must take up your cross and follow me. But if anyone of you wants to be my follower, what's interesting is what Jesus says there. He doesn't say some of you. He doesn't say a certain group of you. He doesn't segment. In fact, the very first part of this verse is pretty liberating. If any of you would want to be my follower, you can. That's what Jesus is saying. Now you have to understand, in a first century world, how radical of a statement that is. So can I kind of paint the picture for you a little bit? Because when Jesus says this, anyone is welcome. Anyone. You know what he means by that? Anyone. That's what he's saying. He literally used the word Anyone can be a part of this story. What's interesting is you begin to, to study the history of the Jewish culture, and um, what you have to remember is Jesus wasn't just a teacher, wasn't just a miracle worker, wasn't just a good all-around guy. He was a rabbi. And a rabbi in that culture, they were the rock stars. They were the ones that people wanted to be like. They had gone through the schooling. They were the ones people wanted to follow. And so Jesus, though different as a rabbi, he's homeless for one thing. Jesus, a little radical as a rabbi, is a rabbi. And what you have to understand is people would have seen that. They would have known that. And in the first century world, this begins to change how things operate. See, when you were six years old, you would go to school. 
and at six years old, your school curriculum would be the Torah. The Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and your job was to learn how to write, and how to read, and how to recite the Torah. You would know large sections of that in the first few years of your schooling, where you would be able to recite that. There was such a reverence for the Torah, such a reverence for the scriptures, that you would have to learn it, and people would be in schooling learning this and being uh, kind of brought up in this way. You would look at this idea of saying, hey, I want to be a person that's in this school, and as you got to this place, this um, Beth Sefer would be the first realm of school that you would be in, and you would end about age 12 or 13, and then most of you, if you were in that school, you would go to your father or your uncle's trade. But if you had passion, and you had an acknowledgement of what was going on, if you had insight, if you had ability, if you had intelligence, then you might be able to go on to the next realm of school, the, the Beth Midrash, and you would go into this kind of school, and anyone can actually show up to this school. If you had an off day at work, you could kind of go to the synagogue, it would kind of be on the side, and you could listen in, especially if you were male, you could do that. And you could learn a little bit more about Torah, you can learn a little bit more maybe about what the prophets had to say in some of the other books of the Old Testament. And if you had great knowledge and great passion, you might be able to go even a little bit further than that, but you had to meet some prerequisites. Anyone ever go to Harvard? Do you think Ivy League schools have some prerequisites? Yes, they do. Anyone score a 32 on your ACT? 1600 on your SAT. I'm impressed if you did. I was just below that by half. Um, <laughs> but if you wanna get to Harvard, those are the kind of scores that you need. You need a 4.0, and really, let's be honest, you need a 4.5, um, and maybe a 5.0 at this point with some honor school classes going on in high school. You need to have a high ACT score. You need to have a high SAT score. You need to write a really good essay. You need to know somebody, and you need to have some great community service, right? You need to have all this stuff going for you in order to get an entrance exam, and for a lot of people in this culture, Following a rabbi was like that. You had to really be passionate. You had to have a, an incredible mind to learn and be able to remember to the point that a rabbi, if you were to go up to a rabbi and say to them, I would like to follow you. What you're saying is, I don't wanna just know what you know, I wanna be like you because you're the utmost of our culture. And you would try to apply to a rabbi. And here's what a rabbi would do. Oh, no, because he's heard stories. And he would weed a lot of people out right away. Occasionally, he would hear enough good stories maybe about you that he'd say, well, quote Isaiah 55, go. Uh, and if you were good enough to be able to do that, or he would ask, hey, in Leviticus 19, how many times is the word Lord used? Go. And if you were smart enough to actually know that, I don't, but if you were smart enough to, to know that, then maybe you would get to hang around and go on a week-long investigation, like interview with the rabbi. And at the end of that week, if you had enough credits 
enough prerequisites met, then you might be able to be asked by that rabbi and answered by them to say, yes, you may follow me. And what you're doing in that point is leaving everything and you're following them around. And that's your life. So isn't it interesting that Jesus, the rabbi, shows up into this culture and the way things work is you've gotta have prerequisites. You've gotta be smart enough and good enough to get to these places. You've gotta get to this place where you can understand what's going on in this world. You've gotta get to this place where you can say, hey, these are educated steps that I've taken and now I'm seeking to ask if I'm acceptable enough. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he changes things, doesn't he? He gets to this place where he begins to say, hey, um, I tell you what, and he takes a little walk down by the Sea of Galilee, which was interesting because that's really 12 miles from the main training center, the education center of how things would be. And he's 12 miles south of that by a little sea. And here's what we read in a couple different chapters here. In Mark chapter one, can I read it? This has always fascinated me. As Jesus walked along beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. They were fishermen. Let me ask you, why are they fishermen? Why are they fishermen? What'd their daddy do? That's why they're fishermen. They weren't good enough to make the cut. That's why they're out fishing. They're doing what their dad did. Why? Because their dad was a fisherman. That's how things worked in the first century. When you got to 12 or 13 and you weren't good enough to keep going on, you just went and did your father's trade. So they're fishermen. And Jesus comes to them and he says, you, come follow me. This wasn't them asking him. He's asking them and telling, you come follow me. They leave their nets and leave their parents. Drop everything and go. Anyone ever found that really odd? I did, until you actually begin to understand the history of what's going on, what culture was like. That would be like if you were the ultimate roadie and like Bono showed up and said, hey, come be a roadie with us. Oh, okay. And like you would take off and you would do that, okay? So here you have Jesus the rabbi showing up and saying, hey, you, I think you're good enough to be like me. Come follow me. Uh, okay. Off you go. They go a little bit further, James and John, down the, down the side of the bank there, calls them and they leave, their father Zebedee, and off they go. It puts a little bit more of a context in here. And Jesus is the one doing the asking. He's the one calling them. These are ordinary people, much like you, much like me. And Jesus saw something in them, the same way that he sees something in you, and something in me, more than we even see ourselves. And he says to us, anyone can be my follower, even you. Would you come follow me? In fact, it goes on, you, you read through the whole rest of the story, Jesus comes back to life post-resurrection, and here you have Peter and some of the disciples standing before the Sanhedrin, and they're on trial, right? and there's this huge investigation, and these are all the religious leaders of the day. These are the big wigs of society, the intimidating folks that they're standing in front of. And Acts chapter four records this. 
as they're standing before him, and Peter, a fisherman, remember, stands up and says, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom, we, whom you persecuted and killed and crucified, but God raised from the dead that we stand here before you today. The guy we healed, that's the reason he was healed. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is one name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. This is the speech he's giving in front of people. And then this little commentary that we get. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were unschooled, ordinary people who Jesus put a call on their life, said, you come follow me. What's fascinating in John 15, you can read, Jesus says, look, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's up to. He just has to do it. I call you friends because everything the Father has revealed to me, I've revealed to you. You did not choose me, I chose you. That's one of the most liberating verses in the Bible because it's Jesus who knocked on the door of your heart, who knocked on the door of my own heart and said I want you to come follow me. Those of us who have come to that place and for some of you maybe he's been knocking on your door saying look you've tried everything, you've been searching for everything and I'm telling you, I'm the answer you're looking for, and I think you can come follow me. See, to be a Talmud, that's what they were called. Talmud in Hebrew is literally disciple. To be part of a Talmud is that you were a disciple of that rabbi, and you didn't want to just know what that rabbi knew. You wanted to be like that rabbi. And oftentimes, we begin to see in the life of Jesus that he says, look, anyone is welcome. And anyone means everyone. And that's, that's hard for us to swallow because anyone means everyone. That means things can kind of get messy. That means like, we kind of like an entrance exam for some people because like I have a personal bubble and I want my personal bubble to exist and I want it to kind of be like disinfected from others and we can kind of put qualifications or we can put uh, different things in front and, and prerequisites that we want people to meet. And the reality is the call of Jesus did away with that. In fact, no qualifications, no qualifications means there's no more excuses. There's no more excuses for anyone to say, hey, I'm, I'm too busy, Jesus. I, I can't follow you because you have these prerequisites and I just can't meet those. And Jesus is saying, no, look, I don't have any prerequisites. I don't have any qualifications. Uh, you're breathing, right? We're good. You come follow me. And Jesus is inviting all these people, anyone, everyone, and he's doing away with, with their excuses. And he's inviting them into life with God, into following around them. It's because Jesus has this incredible ability to look into our hearts and to see what we can't see, to even see beyond what we see ourselves to be, and he says, I think with my power, you can actually be like me. You can actually know what I know. You can think the way I think. That you can begin to be a part 
of who I am and the movement I'm a part of, and I want you to come be a part of it. Would you come follow me? Don't be a fan and stand off to the distance. Don't be a fan who just wears the jersey, who yells and cheers when you show up. Don't be that. There's so much more intimacy, so much more relationship that can happen when we're a follower following around our savior, our rabbi, that is trying to teach us and show us. And Jesus even says to those guys, look, I don't know you know how to fish. I'll make you fishers of people. In fact, I'm gonna take the skill set you have and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put steroids into it, spiritual steroids, in a way that you're gonna do stuff you never thought you'd ever do. Just come follow me. Come learn from me. Come be a part of this journey. Well, Jesus, you don't know my story. I'm kind of disqualified. I, I don't think my, my spiritual credit score kind of measures up to what you're looking for. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm not looking for the elite. I'm looking for the available. Will you come follow me? And he's this invitation. Well, Jesus, I've got all these excuses. I've got this past that haunts me. Jesus says, I don't care. Come follow me. We'll fix that together. Uh, Jesus, you don't understand. I've got this anger issue that I can't follow you until I get this right. I've got to really work this. No, no, no. You can't get that right. That's why you're still messing around with it. We can get this right. You come follow me. Well, Jesus, you don't understand. Like, I'm a legalist, and I'm like, I'm like, people have got to do these things, and I'm going to hold myself to that. I'm going to hold these other people to it. And Jesus is like, whoa, let's work on grace because you need it more than you even realize. And so let's work on this together. You come follow me. It's this incredible journey that Jesus is calling us into. See, fans, they want to put up prerequisites, they want to put up some things that people have to go through, some hoops that people have to jump through. But a follower says, look, if Jesus said anyone, then anyone means everyone. And everyone's welcomed into this journey to be a part of what Jesus is doing. So it begins to look back. Remember what Jesus said, Luke chapter nine? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, must put away his selfish desires. He must pick up his cross daily and follow me. See, what's interesting about this verse is the very first part is anyone. And the very last part is follow me. It is anyone, but it is everything. That's the challenge. That's the tension that we have to wrestle through. Is Jesus is saying, look, anyone is welcome to be a follower of me, but I'm telling you, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. Does that mean you have to quit living? No, no, no. Uh, you don't become a monk. You don't become a nun. It's okay. But the reality of what Jesus is calling us to as followers of him, not just fans, is that he's the leader. He's the one that leads you around. See, a rabbi in that day, when you left everything and you followed a rabbi, here's how that worked. If the rabbi went to the market, you know where you went? Take a wild guess. Yeah, to the market. If the rabbi went and hung out with the unclean, do you know where you went? Right next to him. When the rabbi went and laid down to sleep, do you know where you went? You laid down to sleep. You were there. It wasn't a job, nine to five. It was a lifestyle. It was a I'm all in kind of thing. And you would follow the rabbi so close that the rabbis had this saying, 
In fact, they would want their town need to have it. They would be in such proximity that there would be something that would be happening because you gave up everything. It is anyone, but it is everything. I'm a softball coach, assistant coach. And so it's been fun. We have two more weeks uh, of this. We've got 10U, 12 girls, and uh, I have never been around the softball arena before. I've been in baseball with my son, but softball is different. It is. It's dirty. Did you know that? I had white shoes when I went to my first practice at softball. They were brown when I left the field. I had to go home and scrub them. I know that makes me anal, but I was scrubbing my white shoes because I was like, man, this is really bad. In fact, I went and bought an old pair of shoes. Look how bad these are. I bang dust out of these. Every time before I put them in my truck, they stay in my Jeep. The whole week, my Jeep stinks. You don't want to ride with me. But my Jeep has to have these shoes because they're so dirty. There's so much dirt that gets on them because I'm in the game. I'm in the practice. I'm the one kind of helping them field the balls, pick up everything, learn how to hit. We're in action together. And here's what the rabbis would say. May the dust of your rabbi be always upon you. May your proximity to the one that you follow be so close that you're dusty from his presence. Isn't it interesting? In our culture sometimes, we can all fall into this. We have a category. Church is my category. I show up. I'll sing a little bit. I might even give a little bit. And that's my category. And then I'm done until next Sunday. And for you, it's great because it's Sunday night, so you get to sleep in Sunday morning. And you get to enjoy that. And for some people, that's their category. But listen, friends, that might be more fanship than followership. And what Jesus is calling us to, inviting us to, anyone, anyone can be my follower. And it is anyone. But friends, it is everything. And so when you're making decisions, is Jesus a part of your decisions? When you're thinking about the resources that you have, is Jesus a part of thinking about that? As you're thinking about your time and how you're gonna invest that, is Jesus a part of that? And a part of those conversations, is your rabbi, the one that you follow, is he leading or you? Because this is about being a follower. You can be a leader and be a follower. You need to be. You have leadership ability, use them. But you're still following the one that you're meant to follow. And may the dust of his lifestyle, the way he sees the world, the way he interacts the world, the way he reacts in the world, may it always be upon you as you seek to live more and more like him. That's the invitation of being a follower of Jesus, not a fan. Challenging, I know. But I think the invitation is to an adventure like any other, no, no other adventure you'll ever find in your entire life. To say, Jesus, you be the leader of this. And so I wanna pray just a blessing over you that as you wrestle with this, what does that look like 
in the different arenas of your life? What does it look like in the different situations and decisions that you have to face? What does it look like to say, Jesus, would you be the leader of my life? What does it look like to say, okay, may not my dust be upon you, (laughs) as I'm just blazing a trail, but may the dust of your presence, your leadership, be upon my life and how I lead my family, and how I invest in this world, how I use my skill sets and my abilities to make a difference in this world for you. Would you be the leader of that? And so Father, I pray, as we move toward a time of communion, as a time of worship, God, we wanna be a people that is falling after you. That when the dust settles, it's not us just trying to charge up a hill and you're still back at the bottom but it's us falling close in proximity to how you're leading our lives, how you're navigating, using our skill sets, our experience, our calling, the passions you put within us. You want to lead each one of us on an adventure of figuring out what that looks like to be the best possible us, the best possible me, the best possible you. And so Jesus, as we want to be a follower with all of our heart, the best we know how, would you help us in the decisions that we have to make this week to follow you in proximity-wise that your dust of how you would see it and how you would interact would be upon us and we would choose to do the same, that you would empower us to do the same. God, I know in my own life, there's so many times that you call me to to something different and I just don't want to do it but it's the best thing for me to do. So would you challenge me and empower me to be able to say yes for each one of us here, different areas, different seasons of life that we're in, but each one of us on an adventure with you, on a journey with you. God, would you help us as a church to declare the call that Jesus had? Anyone is welcome. Would you help us never to be a church that sets up prerequisites or hoops that people have to jump through? But at their point of finding a relationship with you, they would make the decision to a full surrender to you. That anyone can be a follower of you. And it will cost us everything. But we'll gain so much more. So in this time of communion, maybe there's an area of your life that uh, you're struggling with. Maybe there's an area of your life you're seeking wisdom for. Maybe there's an area of your life that you've been holding back from God. And as you take that bread, as you hold that cup, maybe you wanna take a moment to just say a prayer of surrender. God, would you help me to follow you in this area, in this decision, in this moment, in this season, whatever that may be for you. As we sing this song, would you stir our hearts to choose you? We ask that. In Jesus' name, amen.